Hello and welcome back to Jazz Paddock Pass Season 2, Episode 1. How are we doing, chaps? Doing fantastic. I am great. Back for Season 2 and excited about it. Back for Season 2, this is your usual broadcast team in the chair, Tom Ellison. That's me. With me is Andrew Fawcett. That's me. And Alexander Cofford. Yo, Alexander, we're professionals today. Alexander, we're get, this is a new year, a new season, we're kicking off being very professional, Mr. Cofford. All it's right. the beginning of the season, everything is like bright and hopeful. and <laughs> Yeah, nothing's gone to, to poopy so far. Um, we're only like 44 seconds in, so let's do this. Uh, so let's kick off. Um, it is 11th of March, the recording date. Uh, we are three days away from the new race of the Formula One season, Melbourne Australian Grand Prix. If it doesn't get cancelled due to the ongoing pandemic, so what do we reckon uh, about the pandemic or about the season? <laughs> sure, <laughs> yes, either one of those. Oh man, um, just for the season. I mean, I hope. I know that the China has already been moved, and and they're planning on moving or canceling many places. I just hope, hope, hope that the season itself is run as much as possible because uh man it would really suck to miss out on a whole bunch of racing because of this i agree i agree i, I mean we know that china has been postponed um at the moment bahrain's not accepting any spectators i believe for the event correct but nothing else has been impacted yet and I, i'm surprised we haven't heard anything about monza yet but i guess it's still kind of far out so maybe well not. i mean that's always september right so like we got yeah. some time to deal with that um i mean I'm, i was more surprised that ferrari were allowed out of the exclusion zone to travel to melbourne in the first place because they're right well, in the middle of you things. know ferrari's like one of italy's main exports other than like wine and pasta wine pasta and fast cars <laughs> exactly. that's, that's why we love italy um so they've been allowed out. Uh, they've, they've, they've been allowed to go to Melbourne. I think, fingers crossed, there shouldn't be that much impact to Formula One. Worst case scenario, from a realistic position of putting on the races, is that spectators aren't allowed to mingle at the tracks, which would be a tremendous shame to withhold that support from the circus. But that's not really Liberty Media's main focus on the sport at the moment. Um... They're concerned about TV viewership and advertising revenue that they can get from that TV viewership. So, and not killing off your clientele. And not killing <laughs> off their clientele. Well, um, I mean, you know, as someone that watches it solely on television, it doesn't really affect me too much. Right. I, I haven't been to a race for a while. I don't know about you guys. Um, so I'd like to make it to uh, maybe Austin or Montreal, but no plans immediately. So, you know, TV Montreal's in my Yeah, Montreal's in my future. Oh, good, yeah. One possible benefit of all of this is we don't get all those crappy um, cutaways to the stands after every, I don't know, every lap. They, like, cut to the fans when they scream and stuff instead of watching battles on track. Yeah, there'll be no one to scream. It'll be great. Well, Complete silence. Yeah, but if they, you know, if they don't cancel everything at Zanvoort, that's all they'll show. And it'll just be a sea <laughs> of orange. And they'll be well, like, the, look the, at all the, these Dutch fans here for Max Verstappen. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so Max. shocked. I mean... Credit where it's due, he's managed to inspire an entire nation of supporters again. Not since the days of Jos Verstappen has there been so many Dutch supporters of Formula One. I mean, I would say that race wouldn't even be impressive. happening if Verstappen wasn't in the in F one. That I agree, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's testament to the fact, which is great. That I love well-rounded things where people from different areas get excited because I want the sport to grow. I want it to be successful and. Yeah, and it's a historic it track as well. Zandvoort's been hosting Formula One since the fifties. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's not as though it's a so, new uh, pending the season for a actually going Formula to plan and not being completely cancelled. Uh, what are we looking forward to this season? Uh, as far as who are we looking at, that's going to be fast. Is it going to be the same people? Do we have any people that we think are going to be dark horses? I know the thing about preseason testing is it's nearly impossible to see where people actually are, but. It is. I mean, lest we forget last season when I confidently predicted that Ferrari would be the cars to beat at Melbourne, and Lewis then promptly put it on pole, ran away from the race. Um, when that lap so, happened, the entire non-Mercedes fan base just died because they knew. They're like, damn it, another year of Mercedes winning see, both championships. See, I, ha I have a little bit of a bone to pick with that, because... At the time, the action was absolutely as you said. It was, oh, here's Mercedes, come to dominate again. 
why did we ever expect anything else? If you look at that lap, Lewis's pole lap from last year, that was a phenomenal lap, objectively. Maybe that car is not that far ahead of the field if it weren't for that driver at that time. But when the time came up, people don't know that. They just see yes. nine tenths. And they're like, mother, we, it's all <laughs> over. Season yeah. just is a wash already. They, they turned the engine up and now it's all over. Yeah, party um, mode engage. Made me feel a little bit sad for Lewis because that was a tremendous lap when you look back at it. Um, it really was. So do we think that's going to be the story again this year? It's Meaning hard. Mercedes and Lewis? Yeah, a continued domination yeah. by Lewis and Mercedes. It's hard to believe in the last year of a regulations package where nothing changed apart from one set of tires for one race. I really don't think that they will struggle. I think that they're still going to be the ones to beat. They're still going to be the ones to, you know, chase. And they didn't, like, just copy last year's car and then come with the same thing, knowing that they could probably just kind of keep evolving it. They're like, nope, we're going to come up with a completely new car <laughs> with crazy new things. and With crazy new steering. Yeah. Steering. What's this dual axis thing that they're which, talking about? Like, this is wild. Which I, uh, Red Bull has already said that they're going to protest it in Melbourne. Interesting. Because it has not been cleared officially because you have to protest something in the race and then when the FI investigates you know as long as it's done exactly how Mercedes has said to the FI then sure it's clean but they can protest it and go in there and look around and if anything's not up to par that car can be um, disqualified so it would be very strange to my mind if Mercedes were to Commit to the FIA that something is done a certain way, leave themselves open to that interpretation, to then have it protested at the first race. I think that would be a yeah. stupid move from them. I have to feel like it is actually going to be okay. I think so too. Um, yeah. I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't think the uh, the new driving situation with them, you know, moving the toe and camber, is going to be too effective on many tracks. I can see sometimes with super long straights where you don't have to row it. But could you imagine being on a street circuit and just, like, nonstop, forward, backwards, forward, backwards? I feel like that's going to cause more mistakes and more fatigue that causes issues. So I think it's going to be situationally advantageous, but not universally. I hadn't thought about that. That's a really good point, that it is another physical element that the driver is having to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it going to add it, more it, fatigue? It, I don't know, probably not physical fatigue, because the, the effort required to operate it is pretty minimal, but certainly yeah. mental fatigue in having well, to, another one system extra, to manage. Yeah, one extra thing. To, yeah, one extra thing to keep an eye on. Um, but I, I agree that it will be situational on, on tracks where you have long straights, smooth surface, and you can exploit that little bit of a benefit to maybe gain you know a tenth of a second in a straight line. But this I is do a game think that yeah, Mercedes is going to be number one again. They've proven that even if the car is not the best at every track, they're dead reliable, top to bottom. They have no issues with their team. You know, they have a clear number one driver and a number two driver that pretends he's going to challenge number one, but then falls off throughout the season. Every um, year, every year it happens. Don't <laughs> talk about my Valtteri that way. <laughs> <laughs> he's been on the porridge again. They have shown fantastic. Racecraft, they've shown fantastic um, strategy throughout the seasons. Um, they are, n- it's one thing to have the best car, but they have the whole best setup. Um, and I don't think anyone's able to challenge them on a consistent basis, meaning, you know, a season's worth of points. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. The fact that, um, that Andrew alluded to earlier, the fact that they've had a period of relative rule stability has really allowed them to hone that package to a point where they have it so nailed down at this point, they have their processes so refined and ready to go that it's very difficult for a team to rise to that level and compete with them throughout the entire season. Yeah. Sure, any any given race, you can probably beat them if you get absolutely everything nailed on. But over the course of the season, I don't think you have much of a chance to they had a 235-point advantage by the end of the season over second place. That's significant. Right. It's not That's one crazy. or two races of luck. Um, yes. And so I do think the field will be tighter uh, just because 
as we were talking about, the rules haven't changed. Everyone has yeah. a grasp on it. Some cars copy other cars, and some more than <laughs> others. And it's going to be closer. <laughs> but again, you have good drivers, good mechanics, good engineers, good racecraft, and and they're still the team to beat. Yeah, I think yeah, the um, midfield's going to be super competitive this year. I, I'd like to think that certainly Red Bull's going to be that little bit close to both Mercedes and Ferrari in terms of competitiveness at all variety of tracks. I, I think agree. that will be the case as well. Um, and I'll I mean, go a step further and say I think um, I think Red Bull is going to be the second best team. I like what they've done with their double uh, bulkhouse suspension, moving stuff aerodynamically around. I feel like if Mercedes didn't show up with a rowboat, um, that would be the talk of the off season of how did how did they come up with this suspension design and is it going to be a game changer? Yeah, I yeah I I like to think that's the case. And um, Honda seems to have gotten their program together with the reliabilities which better. That, that's what we predicted, right? I seem to remember yeah. having this conversation <laughs> this time last year, basically saying that Honda always get there in the end. They just they need come help in. from Mercedes along the way. I mean, they come into the sport knowing, you know, starting from from a baseline of zero, have to develop, have to have to develop, have to work, have to research, have to develop, have to test, and get to this point. By about season four or five, they'll be up there with the other teams. Just the nature of their processes. This happened in the eighties. It happened in the nineties. It'll happen again in this season. So I think. You know, copy, couple that Honda development and engine with Adrian Newey's dark arts of aerodynamics, then that can still be a very competitive car with one of the best drivers on the grid. They have one of the best drivers on the grid. The best driver on the grid. Is Max better than Lewis? Maybe that's that's a a question for another podcast. I wasn't talking about that. That's a very bold claim. Alexander Albon is the best I'm just kidding, Albon. <laughs> <laughs> Albon has no right to be in a top three car, but you know, to each their own. Interesting. I'm interesting. I'm interested to see how that develops. Um, obviously, we saw last year with uh, the whole switcheroo. That was interesting, and it was interesting to watch that um, through the lens of Drive to Survive, as it just came out a couple weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. and you could kind of see the the backgrounds of all of that which kind of made it a little bit more interesting it also made it a little bit more clear why they went with that decision just because you know christian horner was just basically like yep he's not good we need him out <laughs> i mean christian horner is objectively a psychopath let's be honest yeah if anyone's seen that episode he has the cold dead oh, eyes yeah. of a killer he's crazy um it's definitely i mean i was watching it with my wife um couple of weeks ago and she turned to me and just went mm, classic sociopath which True. i found it very hard to argue with frankly i'm glad um, people like him are involved though it makes the circus a lot more fun yeah <laughs> and and you can't argue with that red bull has been very successful under his leadership maybe not what it was when seb was winning all those championships but it still have maintained you know a high level they of have. performance they have um maybe at the cost of the psychological well-being of a few young drivers <laughs> um, i was but it's funny i was watching some some stuff about formula 2 this season and i was just like seeing all these guys in red bull junior uniforms and stuff and i was just like <laughs> i do not envy those guys which one of you's next to be destroyed on yeah. Christian <laughs> wheel of death while max just sits there and watches <laughs> i love yes. that they make max look like this evil being every time they cut to him he's got like this stone faced look of just doom and every comparison they do with him i love it they make max look like a villain in such a good way <laughs> well i mean yeah, he, he it's obviously heavily editorialized but like he is the yardstick against which every driver in the red bull program is then measured and we've seen that Helmut Marko and Christian Horner are not afraid to make decisions based upon how people measure up against him in very short order. So I guess my question to you guys right now, before we even start the season, does Alexander Albon end the season still driving the second Red Bull car? Absolutely not. Okay, that's a very very forceful and uh, certain decision. I think he does. I think... 
Okay, now now both of you present your arguments. <laughs> okay, my uh, argument is he's yeah, not you that go good. first. That's my entire argument. He's not that good. He's okay. not that good compared to Max, or just objectively. He, he's he's a decent driver. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, you know he made the same mistakes Gasly made. He got clapped in qualifying. He was barely faster than the McLarens in races. Um, you know, it took him 28 laps to pass Pierre Gasly at uh, Spa. It, you know, when when they switched roles, uh, Albon finished the season with less points than Pierre Gasly, and so it, it's really weird that Gasly gets benched and Albon gets Rookie of the Year in all this praise. When what did he do? He was in second place and, and fucked it up. Like, I just don't understand why this guy gets praise and praise and praise when he makes the same mistakes that his the person before him did. He matches up, like, point-wise. If you look at point averages in both the, um, uh, the Toro Rosso and the Red Bull, it's virtually identical. So I don't see how you can say Pierre Gasly is not good enough for this drive and have any other opinion for Alex Albon. Okay, convincing. Counterpoint. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of really good, solid points. <laughs> I have really solidly thought about it. Um, no, I, I just feel like maybe this is the year that Red Bull finally realizes that they can't have just two number one super fast drivers and they just accept that maybe one is going to be a second driver and just try to get points i don't know i i feel like so now <laughs> so you're repeating the human side of a sociopath <laughs> right right yes i'm hoping I christian horner is going to be a human um, appeal to the dictator's wishes i also think that you have to consider that albon didn't start the season in the red bull car and he's so new to Formula One in general, but he doesn't have a crazy amount of experience in cars. Like, he wasn't racing a ton like compared to all the other guys. But I, I think yep. that he's had half a season to kind of get a little bit acclimated to Red Bull. He's had the off season, had some testing. He's much more part of the team now. He's actually the second driver or you know part of the driving team as opposed to kind of a substitute see how you do kind of guy and i'm thinking that between the off season and and you know all the testing he's gonna come out of the gates and be a little bit more consistent a little bit more competitive and hopefully get the team some points now i don't know if that's actually true or not but you know i i understand i, I, I just want to add this real quick tom i yep. understand everything that you say from a hopeful side i think he's a nice guy and i hope the best for him i just feel like there's <laughs> a double standard and and trust me if if he can be successful there i'm rooting for him because i do think he's a really good guy judging by interviews and the way that he presents himself um you know so i'm not rooting against the guy i just don't think it will keep up that's fair no, I, I agree with both of you um, <laughs> in your differing points. Um, my personal perspective is that I think he is a little bit closer to Verstappen than Gasly was in terms of um, his ability to cope with the pressure of driving the second Red Bull. That's not to say, you know, in outright one lap speed or points differentials or anything. In terms of how he's presenting himself and how he's getting in his own head while having to cope with the pressure of putting himself up against one of the best drivers in the sport. And the politics behind the... And the politics of having to deal with that at the same time, exactly. Of a sociopath. Of a sociopath. Um, so from that perspective, I think he's just a little bit better equipped to deal with that coming into the new season. And I hope that gives him enough to at least give him the full season to see where he measures up. Okay. Um... I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it develops, and we'll definitely touch back on it as the subject as the season goes on. You know, oh, the yeah. very uh, first races might be a good um, kind of gauge on how the season goes. If he falls behind right away, the narrative could shift really quick. But if he comes out really strong, maybe he's able to ride that through a dry spell. Um, I agree. I agree. He, he needs to come out strongly yeah. and at least put down put down a marker if he out qualifies max one of the first four races 
as long as both neither of them have any sort of car troubles or anything that ex- extraneous in that respect, then that will really set him up okay. I think. I agree. So um, moving into the other set of drivers that have yep. struggled to get along, um, what do we look at Ferrari wise? How where do they back themselves when it comes to a driver point of view? How do they handle themselves moving forward, knowing that last season? We back to number one, when I say we, meaning Ferrari, and that was Vettel, and kind of Leclerc came out of the gates, and from the get-go was straight up better than Vettel, and then once the season progressed, it was kind of back and forth of who is better, who is the second driver, when I'm talking solely off of pace here, and there was a kind of an internal struggle on who should Ferrari support. I think from a political point of view, the only thing they can do the first races is say we have two equal drivers that's the only thing they can do from a macro perspective is say okay neither of you are the number one driver Seb was last season at the beginning of the season but that has no longer the case and you have to now go out there and fight for the team don't hit each other that's the only rule (laughs) and go out there and do your best and then as you know again we get to the European phase of the season when we're done with the Far East stage. And the team will then have to reevaluate as to where they stand, both uh, with respect to how they stand against their competitors and against and within the team itself. I agree that's My, how it should yeah. be done, but do you think that's how it should be run? able to do that? Manage the egos and come up with strategy that doesn't hinder one of them? I think no. they will have I think I think this is this is me projecting and assuming a lot. I think they will have developed a series of protocols that the drivers are aware of to manage intra-race strategy with respect to something like, you know, if car X is ahead by lap 20, then car X will get the preferable first pit stop to undercut. So do you want to be the worst driver in that situation because you just straight up don't trust Ferrari's strategy? I think you have to you have to trust yeah. it, your employer. Um, <laughs> well, do you trust Ferrari to do the right thing? Is what I mean. Not not never, never. <laughs> That's what no, I'm pointing. So you want to be like, hey, I'm the number two driver, so I'm going to end up ahead. No, um, it's going to be think, an interesting. But you dynamic. have to do what you're told initially. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic because Seb is on the back foot and he's getting older. I don't think that. He, I mean, he could definitely keep... I mean, Kimmy's still driving and being relatively competitive, so I don't think that he's anywhere <laughs> near retirement, but I don't think Ferrari fully expected Charles to be as competitive as he was at the beginning of last season. And so it's just this really interesting dynamic of the young kid that's going to be at Ferrari for the next five years, guaranteed, versus yep. the vet who's got four championships and isn't looking as strong as he potentially could be. So do you go with the young upstart kid that's fast and, you know, maybe not as consistent? Or do you go with Seb, who is a proven performer? I think they're going to I think they're going to go with Seb. They're going to he's going to be the lead driver. And I think Charles is just going to drive around him. And then midway through the season, they'll switch and just realize that Charles is the way to go. And Seb is going to have to play a support role. I mean, that's how I predict it happening. I don't know if that's actually what's going to happen, but. I think Seb has a lot to prove this season um, after the shenanigans that we saw last year and the fact that he is a renowned driver, multiple world champion and ostensibly the lead driver in the most famous team in Formula 1 motor racing. He has no excuse not to perform and as soon as he starts making the little mistakes that we've seen before, getting frustrated, making errors and being outraced, outpaced by his teammate then the momentum within the team will switch very quickly to Charles if it's not there already. So, again, the first four races of the season, same with the Red Bull team, and in terms of the inter-team dynamic, is going to be critical as to how they set themselves up for for the remainder of the season. So we covered the top three teams of finishing placement last year. Do we, I mean, am I safe to assume that we think that those will be top three this year? I think so still. I think yes. it's which order? Uh, I think Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay, so we're all unanimous that Red Bull. We think <laughs> so. That means we're definitely wrong. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tune in next week, guys, <laughs> as we describe why Ferrari is so much better than Red Bull. Um, 
so I I think we you know Fawcett said that the midfield is going to be much closer and tighter. I think that the field will be close enough that these teams, such as Tracing Point and McLaren, <laughs> uh, and, hey. and maybe even Renault, if they decide not to go on strike, will be able to challenge the Red Bulls and Ferraris, not on a consistent basis, but how we talked about maybe where Red Bull and Ferrari were a year or two ago in relation to Mercedes. At the right moment, at the right time, those cars could be better than the Mercedes. I feel like the midfield is getting close enough that maybe a McLaren can beat the worse, you know, McLaren, uh, worse Red Bull and the worse Ferrari, you know, a couple races a season. And that would be great yeah. if that were the case. Um, yeah. I think that's what Formula One needs, the midfield to get closer to the top three teams. Um, I really... I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. I really like McLaren. I think that they've really had some good momentum over the past two seasons from the woes of gp2 engine fernando to putting a podium last season i think they're going to put a lot more podiums i think both drivers are going to get on the podium this season um that's both carlos and lando about. that's what i'm yeah. talking about yeah i definitely think lando and carlos carlos is he's argu- a star. He, i he's, love that yeah, guy he's objectively the the faster more experienced driver but i think that both of them will put it on podium at least once this season. That, I like that. I like that prediction. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I like it. <laughs> you don't think Optimism. either of them will, or you don't think both of them will? I think one of them will. I'm not going to say which one because I can't predict. Carlos. That, but I, don't think, <laughs> I think it'll be Carlos, uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think. I don't think they'll be strong enough to be in multiple podiums, multiple t- both okay. times essentially. And, and so, yeah, I think McLaren's going to do great, too. I think Andre Seidel's done a fantastic job of just they have changing the, they... the internal structure and kind of setting up, you know, goals, one goal after the next, and checking these boxes instead of just blindly hoping that Honda is going to come in and save their uh, car. Because, you know, I think that was kind of the issue is for our Mercedes had an amazing engine, covered up a lot of the issues at McLaren, and they didn't progress. They just tried to do stuff. And, and they they also had a bit of a vacuum in terms of leadership once Ron Dennis was shunted aside. Yeah. Um, he was really the the main man of that team from since the eighties. Like yeah. he was been the face and the soul of that Formula One team. So is and they needed someone twenty twenty to... McLaren faster than twenty nineteen Mercedes? No. I think it's impossible to compare year on year in that way. It's totally possible because racing I mean, point is just so, copy. Okay. <laughs> Fair uh, point. Tracing points are on the grid, point, yeah. um, and that uh, that has been a yeah. That has been a sore point. Now we know how they operate. <laughs> we know that they have admitted to borrowing liberally from yep. drawings from analysis from the drivetrain that they're receiving from Mercedes already in trying to emulate that car from last season as much as possible do you think it will benefit them no no absolutely not i i don't Why th- not? i don't think you can even with some help unless you are actually mercedes i don't think you can put a car together that's going to perform nearly as good i mean you can copy a lot of the aerodynamic things and have you know the good power behind your car but i just i don't think it's it it might be quicker than they were last year and it might be an improvement but i don't think it's going to be mercedes quick or even close to mercedes quick and you also have to consider they've been pretty good in testing though yeah testing is i think they've been so unreliable (laughs) i think they've been doing some runs to try to gain traction and 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 build hype behind them Uh, some of those low fuel quality runs you think uh, I think so. I'm, you know, fearful of saying that because you know Autosport said that about McLaren last year and made fun of them, and and look at McLaren this year and or well, you know, last year and how they did. So yeah, I'm gonna put my neck out and say that um, they will be slightly better because they copy the aerodynamics. But you have a different suspension build. You don't have the same engineers. You don't have the same you know mm-hmm. drivers that build the setups. 
it as much as they can copy Far from it right as much as they can copy the physical side of the aerodynamics they can't match everything else so yeah 2020 racing point is not as good as 2019 um mercedes and continuing it, it's got to be a weird dynamic where you're like you're trying to not just progress but you're trying to progress someone else's work so i wonder are they going to be able to improve on the season when they're copying someone else's homework that's yeah. my fear for them so well, I, we saw what happened with haas last year when they turned out with the yeah. season before ferrari and right. went backwards throughout the year because they couldn't make they, they couldn't develop the car right. they didn't that's, trust their drivers to work with. yeah well, and that's what I was. And thinking. the drivers were awful. Well, but that's a separate issue. The driving situation at Haas is totally different. But I, I think that that's a and good also, example it's for copying. Yeah, it's hilarious. But I think that's a good example for copying the car. I mean, they basically came with the previous year's Ferrari, and they went back to Melbourne spec halfway through the season just because they couldn't figure it out. Now, if they can't figure it out because of the car or the driver, now that's the question. Um, but that's but that's a whole know, that's part a whole, of yeah. the team. Right, you have to, you have, you can't separate things in that respect. It's yeah, the reason absolutely. the cities are so dominant initially is they have every aspect of the process nailed down, documented, and they can execute it to the maximum of their abilities. Right, and you have to consider that you know Mercedes has been developing this car over the past five years. I mean, maybe every year is a different car, but they've got the same ideas, and they're all developing it around the people they know will be driving it around Lewis's strengths and lesser degree to Valtteri's strengths. You know, <laughs> Valtteri's <I> mean, weight. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to consider that it's the same situation as with Max. You know, that car is designed for Max. So, it, yep. it you know, it, if you take a car that's designed for Lewis Hamilton and then you put Lance Stroll in it, you know, it's like a copied car that you put Lance Stroll in. It's kind of like... It doesn't match a, Lance's strength, even if he isn't as right. good, right? Yeah. It's kind of what like is a, Lance's strength, though? Being rich. Sorry, being the son of a rich person. <laughs> you know what, though? As much as Tracing Point has two pay drivers, they're, they're pretty damn good for being pay drivers. I will agree with that. I will definitely agree that, with that. There is, a, there is a long history in Formula One of pay drivers who can still perform at a decent level. Yeah. Um, I think everyone now, gives Lance a lot of, you know, Well, they do, because his daddy bought a team for him. Right. But I... Manufacturer... <laughs> I mean, the the fact of the matter is, you can't be in Formula One if you're that bad, and you can't be in Formula One season after season if you're that bad. Even if you've got the money, I don't think you can maintain. We've seen plenty of pay drivers flop because they're just terrible. And you know, Lance has put in a couple of really strong drives over the couple of, over the last few years. Yeah, uh, was it? in the wet. He was pretty strong. Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan, he was he really good. good. He had a decent race out. Like he's not without. I'm not saying he's without talent. I'm saying, yeah. you know, yes, he's he's been very fortunate in life, and he has an opportunity now to stay on the grid for X number of seasons, and it behoves him now to really impress and try and improve as much as possible. I think but, I'd rather have Lance than Checo on my team. <laughs> I am not a. Mm. I am mm. not a Sergio fan. He just. I'm not either. <laughs> why? T- t- tell us why you're not a Sergio fan. He just doesn't seem super bright and making good decisions. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Good job. <laughs> That's a spicy take. Uh, uh, I don't yeah. disagree with it. Um, again, he's had a very easy route to Formula One with his financial backing from Telmex and Carlos Slim. Thank you, Carlos Slim. Thank you very much. Um, I feel like with he was kind of pegged as the next big thing when he came into McLaren, and I understand the situation there wasn't good. But when he went to uh, when he was racing next to Ocon and all the incidents they had and just his results against him, uh, which was his rookie year, meaning Ocon's rookie year, yep. wasn't it was. fantastic by any means. And so I know Ocon's kind of. People rate him very different. Some people rate him very, very highly, and some people not so much. Um, I think this will be a really, really eye-opening year for him either way. Um, but at the end so, of the day, yeah. I just didn't think he's ever that good. And he was a whiner at McLaren, so yeah, I don't like him. Oh, he's still a whiner, trust me. Yeah, well, like, yeah. Every time we've seen him, especially in the Ocon year, as you were alluding to, like nothing was ever his fault. Yeah, even though everything was like, against him, he even would just though he was drive into him and he'd be like, "Oh, it wasn't my fault." Stupid decisions on yeah. track. Yeah, 
Um, Spa. But speaking of Ocon, that's 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 a great segue there. I think Renault is going to be a very interesting story in terms of inter-team dynamics as well. I am because super interested to see. You him. have Daniel Ricciardo, who was a couple of years ago spoken of as a definite future world champion. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And his performances at Red Bull certainly backed that up. Like he came in against Vettel, beat Vettel handily. Oh yeah, the car designed for Vettel, and then went up, went toe to toe with Max pretty much. Like there wasn't much between them. Most of the issues between him and Max were DNFs. Um, yep. And and when they did match up, yeah, it was it was honestly a pretty close battle. And I mean, yes, sociopath Horner came in, and we know that Max is the golden child, and that's why Danny Rick left, decided to go to Renault. So I think he's still fundamentally as fine a driver as he's ever been, but now he's being asked to lead a team that doesn't have the history and pedigree of those that he's used to, and it's I think he's finding it tougher than he expected, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how he measures up this season. Yeah. He's going to be he's... hyper-motivated. This is oh, his last sure. year of contract. And you know yes. he's looking for something different, unless, obviously, uh, Renault shows up with a really good package. He's going to be I fielding mean, he... the best offer that he can take. He's he's looking at Seb seat at Ferrari. That's my honest opinion. Or Alex Albon's seat. <laughs> or... No. <laughs> he I won't don't... go back to Red he Bull. He won't go back to I Red know, Bull. I know, I know. I just like... I think Sebastian he's, Vettel will go back to Red Bull before Danny Rick does. I agree. I think he's, um, I think he's eyeing the the Finn seat in uh, Mercedes. I I think well, that's Ocon's seat, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they say. We'll see. That's what Toto thinks. Well, I mean, I, it, Toto manages Ocon, so I guess that's you know. But that would be a uh, great check in his favor. But that might be a great battle then, because if Ocon's favored, but he gets slapped by Danny Rick. It might tip the balance and be like, mate, we can't take, we can't take Ocon when we can literally take the guy that just destroyed him. To just beat him in the same machine. Or yeah, vice I agree. Versa, That's where possible. If Ocon comes up and does well, it's like now we can take him because we know he's you know better or matches up well versus a great driver like Danny Rick. Basically, yeah. it's win-win for Mercedes. Absolutely, oh, for because sure. they can take they can take the better driver of each of them. Yeah, for hands sure. down. Um, I'm I'm really interested. I still think Daniel has championship potential. I don't think it's in a Renault, um, but I I'm a big Daniel Ricciardo fan. I definitely think I love the guy. I love him. He's, he's great. So good for the sport, and he's a phenomenal driver. And I'm really interested to see. I think that's probably the either that or Ferrari probably the biggest driver pairings that I'm most interested in because I feel like more than Ferrari even, this one is more to see what will happen in the future. Where yes, you have this, Ocon, this has more ramifications for the future. Right. Ocon's a quick guy. Like He's not slow. And better than Perez. Yeah, 100% better than Perez. <laughs> so I'm really going to be interested to see the young kid that's still got this fire, plus the old guy, not old, but, you know, veteran, <laughs> who just is trying to make up ground to where he lost from leaving Red Bull. So we'll see how it goes. I'm yeah, really interested I agree. To see it. It's going to be super fascinating. Renault um, has to deal with the fact that they're a customer team to McLaren though, which sucks for them. Um, you know, cause obviously if you were the main team, you would beat your customer team, right? Uh, yep. You got to team always <laughs> has to beat the customer. That's what we do. Jokes think. aside, they, I think they have a great chance to progress forward. Um, I peg them finishing same spot as they did this year, fifth place right behind McLaren. Um, do you guys agree, disagree? You think it's going to be one, two, three, four, five, all the same? No, I think it'll be a, a really close fight between those two. I, th- those... I think the the gaps will have closed yeah. compared to last season. It's a 54-point um, gap, so that's relatively significant. Yeah. Yes, I think that will be closer this year. Um, I think McLaren's still likely to be best of the rest. Um, but with Renault a lot closer than they were last season. Um, and then with, um, yeah, probably Alfa Romeo after them. Ooh. That's my spicy take. Ooh, me and you big time disagree on that one. <laughs> really? I, Absolutely. I am just kind of really just curious how the hell they were so fast in testing. 
<laughs> I mean, so I know, Kimmy I know is we quick, talk but, about, you know. We talk about testing results not being the be-all and end-all, and they shouldn't be. I agree with that. But those were some pretty solid runs, and I don't think we ever spoke about it last season. But Giovinazzi got his shit together in the second half of the season last year. He was close to Kimmy. He was scoring points when the points were available. He was taking advantage of you know those tricky races when maybe there would be a point available. I feel like he was pretty consistent too. I feel like he didn't and he, make he many was mistakes. Consistent. Like he cut out the mistakes that he was making in the first half of the season. If he can continue in that vein, and Kimmy's still there, Kimmy's still Kimmy. Like he'll score points when points are available. He'll just drive, leave him alone. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy yeah. pills right now. Like. Uh, wow. Okay, right, let's so let's see what you have to say. I fully disagree with that. I do think Giovinazzi with, with got, all of that. Yeah, <laughs> the beginning, the end, and everything in between. Um, no, I agree that he got better throughout the year. Um, but I feel like, ah, wow. I don't think he closed the gap that much. And he finished with 14 points. He finished behind Kevin Magnuson with you know all of Haas's issues. Uh, just absolutely. He finished, you know, just six points ahead of Roman Grosjean, who didn't have a point forever. Pull one out for Roman. Yeah, and Haas and their I'm awesome not CFD anything system. out for Roman. I am. That's I want it. him on the grid forever. I want him to start pole forever, or maybe like third place. Yeah, you want you want him in the mix yep. in the first quarter, just to see. Yeah, when I'm happen. dictator of the world, he's like people like him are going to be random number generated on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> point being, I don't think he's that great. I think um, they still don't have the superior funding. You know, they were Sauber, and they were always a smaller budget team. They do have some backing from Ferrari, but at the same time, so does Haas. I think Williams is going to yeah, be... Yeah, Haas are a bunch of wankers. I agree, but, you know, we've seen some of their speed sometimes, <clears throat> and they have admitted to not trusting their drivers when it comes to developmental setup, and they fully retracted that and went back to Melbourne spec. And from then on, they're like, listen, we obviously have CFD issues. We have design issues. We need to put more trust and faith in our drivers. So I think they're going to do better. Uh, Williams... Not that Williams, I think, is going to light up the score sheets, but they are going to be, obviously, millions of times better. I am so happy that they actually have a real car this year. I, you know, Yeah, it, they're still on the grid, yeah. and that's got to be a good thing. I agree. And last year, it was so bad. I, I felt so bad for them when they're like, listen, you can't go over curbs because we don't have another front wing. If you break it, it you awful. literally don't run. Period. We, we don't yeah. have anything. This... And this wasn't a one-race deal. This was race after race after race. And this isn't a new team. This is a team with multiple world championships yeah. behind them. Yeah. Like this is so this shouldn't be the case. They have to make a catastrophic jump forward just based off of how slow they were last year. And so if they're nipping at um, Alpha's heels, I just don't see. I, I I actually peg them for worst or second worst in the entire grid. Interesting. Okay. okay. Well, well, I mean, we'll see. Um, yeah. Um, I just I'm I'm just happy to see Williams seems to be a little bit more put together. Um, they yeah. were the first ones on the grid and on track for testing. They had they, have, they had to be after last season. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> that had, they that had did. to be a statement made. And it was they a, did. And it was a great, great statement. And I think it's good. I I really like their driver lineup. I think George right. Russell is fantastic. Uh, I like one of their driver yep, lineup. Okay, I like half of their driver lineup. Yeah, Latifi's uh, of unknown. He's Latifi's a pay driver. He's a pay yeah. driver. He's got a very rich backer, and he'll give funding to the team, and he will finish behind Russell in every single race. But you know, um, that's more that money. Russell is a fantastic. That's more talent. money in pocket for a fantastic driver in George Russell. I agree. He's a star. But we yeah, say that Kubica yeah. did outscore Russell one to zero. Technically correct is the best sort of correct. So that that shows that George Russell is just a shitty driver. He's not good. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, I actually think he's phenomenal. I think he is uh, going to be top three team. I mean, in the next speaking three, of can- speaking of candidates for Valtteri Bottas' seat, yeah, seriously, fantastic like, option. If he's I'm, the guy yeah. that they need to be looking at. <laughs> if I'm Mercedes, I would take him over Ricardo and 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 a bunch of other ones. I mean, he's so young, but he's so he. I feel like he's so much more mature than his age 
shows. Like he's he's just he's just ready. Mature. He's ready yeah. for the sport. Like he knows what to say. He knows what to do, and he knows how and to. And he's drive. great and marketing. Like, he's great for marketing. He's so yeah. likable and and friendly, and and gives great interviews and tells you the truth. But he's not too negative. And I mean, but he also knows yeah. what he wants and what he needs. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. He'll get shit done. That's why I really so. I enjoyed the Drive to Survive episodes when they were looking at him too because you kind of got a little bit of a deeper look into he is actually really frustrated and he is you know negative but he he knows what he wants and which is good yeah um all right so melbourne grand prix coming up a couple of days let's have everyone's predictions for pole and top three of the race mr Fawcett, go um hmm. i think valtteri no, Lewis will get pole, Valtteri will win, and we're going to see Seb and Charles on the podium. Okay, noted. Mr. Cofford? Uh, Alex Albon for pole. <laughs> just kidding I love it so I Bottas for me is going to be interesting I feel like he always starts relatively strong um, and he is hyper motivated to try to keep up um, but sometimes he does it like last year at Melbourne where it costs him right he crashes into a wall and stuff I think this year is going to be his year but instead of a positive way a negative way I think he's just going to not be able to keep up. He's going to struggle moving forward and he's going to be frustrated about it. And if he doesn't just accept a second role right away, but if he's trying to keep up, I just see a really rough year for him. So I'm not counting him in. I'm going to put, I'm going to go with Verstappen on pole. I'm going to go Lewis second and Leclerc third. Um, and it being Australia, I'm going with the same finishing positions as qualify. Okay. So Verstappen to win. Correct. Verstappen to win, Lewis, and Leclerc. Okay. Uh, personally speaking, Lewis will be on pole for the what eighth time now in Melbourne. He knows that track, he knows that car, and he can put it together and qualify it, no other driver. Uh, but Max is going to win the race. Okay. That is my prediction. Uh, second and third on the podium will be Lewis and Leclerc. Hedging my bets a little bit there, covering three constructors <laughs> on the podium. But... Hey, let's see what happens. But uh, fundamentally, we're excited for the season to start. We're all going to be up there at 1 a.m. Eastern Time, watching the race, getting ready to see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really good season. Um, Longest F1 season in a long time, or ever? Something like that? Maybe. Or if no races get cancelled. Yeah. Pending any races getting cancelled. Pending pandemic, then we'll see. And Uh, it should be interesting. We're very excited. It should be interesting. One more final thing. Because what is it like? A majority of the grid will be off contract at the end of next year, or end of this year. Yes. So off contract at the end of this year, right? Um, with a new rule set coming in, where no one really knows where the teams will right. stack up. So that's going to be fascinating. <laughs> it's the great gamble. It's going to be, it's gonna be gonna so great, so amazing. Anyway, that's enough of everyone. All right, that's Formula One, and that was a lot of um, spicy takes for the Formula One preseason. Uh, moving on um, to our virtual world, as many of you know, we are a, a virtual race team by origin and by training, Team Huge Ass. Um, so we haven't really updated anyone on iRacing, which is our platform of choice in recent years. Um, so there have been some developments with iRacing recently, uh, a couple of new cars, a couple of new tracks that I think actually we're pretty excited about. Would you say that's the case? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say so. So we've had a, a new car come out, the Porsche Cayman GT4 Club Sport. Uh, I will confess, I haven't actually driven it yet. I bought it on the release day, downloaded it, very excited. Haven't had a chance to get behind the wheel yet. Um, <laughs> but what, what are your thoughts? Um, I've only had a, a handful of times to drive it, but it, it's fun. I, it fills a good gap in the sim. Um, GT cars are very, very popular. It's probably the most popular road yep. content, so it only makes sense to have TCR and GT4 cars. Um it's it's a fun car. I think it's a good speed. It's it's you know a good step up from where rookies come from with Mazda and Skippy and 
Um, I think it's going to be some really, really interesting racing, and I think it's going to be interesting, especially at the back of the Porsche grid and the beginning of the Audi grid, because <laughs> in the hands of a less experienced driver, it might be slower than an Audi. So it'll be interesting. I think it's going to be really good close racing, though. I agree. It's positive for the sim to have another car that bridges the gap between the entry-level content of the, of the Mazda and the more exciting, hypothetically... GTE 3, GTE cars um, that people aspire to race once they get into the sim in the first place. So I think that's, it's a positive step. And it will be featured as well in the Ring 24 Hour special event. Which... Yes, it will be. That's so we've good... had a couple of special events already this year. Uh, what have we had? Daytona and Bathurst? Yes, we have. And the next one is Sebring. Is that right? Correct. Sebring is this weekend. This weekend, um, so that's twelve-hour race. Um, are you guys running sim. it? I personally am not running it, but I believe that Andrew, you are running it. Is that correct? Yes, I am running it, and I am doing. Uh, it do, I'm doing it solo. Um, I Jesus. Man. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, there's been quite a few over the past few years. There's been quite a few people doing races uh, like Daytona by themselves um, to raise money for charity, and I am not that crazy. I'm only partially crazy um so I'm, i mean 12 hours is yeah. still decent 12 hours is is a long time i mean that's proper road trip like you know i've taken a handful of trips that long but um so i'll be doing it solo i'll start at 8 a.m and go till you know 8 p.m and i will be doing it to benefit the humane society of america of the united states humane society hey. of the united states um we're already raised 820 something dollars so far um, so it's gonna be really fun. Fantastic. People have have donated. They get their pets' pictures and names and stuff on the race car, and um, you know whatever the result is it doesn't really matter. But uh, I think it's a really good little thing for charity, and I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be challenging, but I think it'll be rewarding, and it's for a good cause. So, so to take us through how you would prepare or how you are preparing for. A 12-hour virtual race. Is there anything different you're doing in terms of preparational training? Um, no, I've been I've been running a little bit of practice here. Um, I'll probably jump in the sim right after we finish recording this. Um, but I haven't really been doing any extra preparing. I have been working out a lot lately, but not necessarily for this. But that will <laughs> definitely um, benefit, um, get a little bit better endurance. Um, I need to put together a, a little schedule to see... Uh, what I can eat and, and what will keep me awake. Um, so no special training. I'm sure I'll learn a lot when I'm in the car and tired and sleepy, but um, no, we'll see how it goes. I'm just hoping my butt doesn't fall asleep. And are you approaching the race with any particular driving strategy in mind in terms of preserving your car for, 20, for 12 hours or for uh, making sure that you can finish the race? Yeah, I'm definitely... Since, since I will be the only driver, I definitely will be being more, much more conservative than I might if I was doing a team event. I'm already fairly conservative when we race team events because a lot of it is just kind of getting to the end. Um, but getting to the end is really the only goal here. So I'll probably not qualify. Probably try to start from the back of the pack and just kind of you know plug plug my way through it and try to avoid racing people too hard at least at the beginning um i don't want to get taken out in some you know crazy machismo contest early in the race and then have to drive a i don't want to drive a broken car the whole race so that's kind of the no, main absolutely. main goal is to not destroy the car um but yeah just find a good smooth rhythm that that i can maintain and um if i'm constantly pushing i'm just gonna kill myself and not be able to maintain it so just find a good rhythm and not care about winning or losing because that's not really what it matters. Absolutely, and uh, and just just for our for our listeners' benefit, your time or your position, your final placing won't officially count as per iRacing's rules. Is that correct? Yeah, iRacing has a, a system in place so that um, you will be disqualified if you don't meet the minimum driver requirement, which is two. Um, so I know that going in, and I won't be uh, class or they'll classify me maybe the first car a lap down. I'm not sure quite exactly how that works. Um, so even if I go out and I win overall, um, it won't technically count as a win. I technically won't gain any um, I rating or anything, but um, yeah, 
So that's that's okay. It's a donation of my time and my I rating and uh, some of my money. So you know. No, that's that's fair and. We will be streaming the event uh, on the Huge Ass channel. That's uh, yep. www.youtube.com slash Huge Ass. The stream will be live throughout yep. the event. Yep. Uh, um, stream will start we'll right stream around 7.45 a.m. on Saturday the 14th. Um, That's and then Eastern Time, U.S. Eastern Time, U.S. And I think we're also going to try and stream it to Twitch, um, to the Huge Ass Twitch channel. Um, but yeah, Fantastic. come and keep me company. And there will be a donate link available in the video yep. as well. We'll have a donate link and a little thing that'll keep track of donations, hopefully. And uh, yeah, it'd be good. It'd be a lot of Fantastic. fun and uh, looking forward to it. Well, and we'll also have the donate link in the description of this episode of the podcast as well. So if you're interested, then uh, go to the the page on iTunes or whatever your uh, your, iP- uh, your podcast delivery vehicle of choices. And there should be a link to the donation page within that. So uh, go check it out. Support some good animals. I will not be racing. I will be at the Indie GP here in St. Petersburg. Oh. So myself and another member of uh, Huge Ass will be attending it and going to hang out. So this will be my first indie car race. And I'm pretty, is that, pretty excited. Is that also the first race of the 2020 season for IndyCar? I believe so, it is. yeah. It is. So, so are there any uh, particular teams or drivers you're looking to, uh, to support or uh, look out for? For IndyCar, I don't really know anything about it. I'm more just going for the spectacle. Uh, it is It runs on public streets and a airport that is 1.2 miles from my house. So I will actually walk there and just hang out three-day weekend, have a blast. Um, and as for rooting, I will find out who's the most hated driver, and that's who I will root for. <laughs> well, McLaren has a partnership in uh, IndyCar, so you could root for them. Do people like who them? are their drivers? Uh, I know one of them is Pato Award, who is stupid quick. Um, I can't remember the, the other guy. Oh, Oliver Askew, he's a Indy Lights champion. Um, so they're both. Uh, that's a very English name. <laughs> if I may yes, say so. <laughs> he is very British. Which team um, will let me down the most? Which team will let you down the most? Is it McLaren? Because <laughs> guess what? Well, Andret. The, the jury transporter caught fire on the freeway yeah. on the way to the race. So, I mean, yeah. if you're looking for a team mm. to support, that's the one to go for. They're the front the runners j- for my fandom right yeah. now. The jury's still out <laughs> to see how, how um, McLaren, Arrow, Spit, Peterson, I don't know. It's a very long name, but um, <laughs> I don't know. IndyCar is a little bit different than Formula One in that the cars are all the same for the most part, um, apart from the engine manufacturers and uh, some suspension stuff. So, it's kind of. There's less the the gaps between all the cars are a little bit smaller and it's it's, it's, a, it's a bit more of a spec series yeah. in that respect. So it's not like yeah. there's going to be a, a Williams out there that's putting around oh, two seconds off the pace. <laughs> I'm sure you can find a driver that will fill those dreams though. Oh yeah, let us know. You can root we'll, for we'll uh, full debrief. You can root for former former F1 driver uh, Marcus Ericsson. There you go. He was rubbish at South. <laughs> so you can definitely support him. Uh, yeah, I'll probably root for McLaren unless there's a really slow team <laughs> or someone that pisses everyone off. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I mean, again, I'm just going for the spectacle. I've never been to an IndyCar race, and this will be an awesome, no, me neither. Awesome uh, thing to check out. I'm excited because they're we coming look, to Richmond this year, which is going to be cool too. Richmond Raceway Oval yes, Race, Oval yes. Race. So that'll be cool. I'm excited to go to that. I'm going to go with a couple HGA members. I'm going to go with our producer here and have some fun. See some. Indy cars on a short oval. See, we we have full motorsport coverage up and down the east coast of America. <laughs> um, and speaking of which, this is a great segue to our real life motor racing. Um, so, as some of our listeners know, we uh, we do have a real life race car as well, based in the Richmond area. We have a little Mazda Miata that we race uh, endurance racing in the Champ Car Endurance Series, and it was our first event of the season at VIR last weekend. Uh, I wasn't able to make it this weekend due to uh, work commitments, but Andrew, I believe you were there. Um, Why don't you tell us about it? I was there. Um, It was 12 hours of VIR South, Um, so it's the South South course at VIR, which is probably the better of Mm -hmm. the two you know, smaller courses there because it's got the oak tree and some other front course corners. Um, and from a from a huge ass perspective as well, a very historic venue. Yes, this was our f- our first ever race in March 2017. 
Um, so this is the third year anniversary of our real life racing endeavors. And the idea was kind of to go back there to get some new drivers in the car and to test out some new aspects of engineering that we put on the car. Uh, but I understand it wasn't all smooth sailing. Uh, unfortunately not. Um, I will say that uh, Alex and, and Michael did a fantastic job preparing the car over the winter and, and trying to work out mm -hmm. a lot of the issues that we were having last season. Um, and everything looked fantastic right until they threw the check the green flag in the air. <laughs> and our little blue car that was third from last became last very quickly. Oh, dear. Um, it appeared that we have some sort of fuel issue. Um, I'm not sure we've fully diagnosed it. it we, we changed the fuel pump. We changed the fuel filter. Um, and we messed around with a lot of the, the fueling system of the car. Um, but we couldn't fix it to our satisfaction. Um, and Champ Car, being you know, safety conscious, didn't want our car out there um, at half pace. Uh, yep. So, And there's a lot of blind corners at that particular course, especially. Um, and so they kind of said, was, we, we've been working on it for a few hours, and they kind of said, you kind of have one more attempt to kind of get it really going. Um, or we're going to just park you for the rest of the day. Um, and so at that point, we elected to just call it ourselves. They had offered to help us out with the entry fee and everything like that. Um, so we found it to uh, be the best decision to just lick our wounds and, and come mm -hmm. back stronger. And I think we're considering some test days or, or something before our next race at Watkins Glen. Um, That's right. Yeah. yeah so we're, the next official race that was scheduled for as part of Champ Car is Memorial Day weekend at Watkins Glen, which is one of my favorite events that we've run in recent years. Um, a great venue and a great time of year. Um, and it's always nice to see the boys in the team up close um, after a winter break. Um, but yeah, that's in uh, a couple of months' time. And having spoken to Alex after the event at BIR, uh, I think we have a a solid plan to try and diagnose the fuel issues that we've been having. Um, it's possible, as a working hypothesis, that there was a dodgy component in the fuel um, system, either the pump or the filter, that yeah. meant that when we had it tuned um, on the rolling road, it was tuned to a certain fuel delivery system that when we then changed those components of VAR, meant that the tune was no longer really valid with the car, and yeah. it was therefore running, you know, basically essentially too rich yeah. on basically the existing tune. Yeah, uh, the the basic idea was that we we changed the the pump that was in the car to a, a more uh, powerful pump, and then that between that and the new filter was just delivering a little bit too much fuel, and it was flooding the cylinders. So I am I, I feel pretty confident that we'll be able to to get the car. Uh, up to snuff and running I, I think we're in a much better place than we were last year when we missed, this time last year yeah, for well, sure. this time last year when we were up at Watkins Glen and didn't get to race a single lap and and when, when we had to you know uh, call off Indianapolis so I am pretty confident that you know with some testing we can get the car dialed in and um, the team is as motivated as ever so absolutely and it was still fun to see it's always fun to, to be at the racetrack even if you're not racing get to talk to new people and we made some new connections and got to see some friends so no know. i mean we're, we're forever thankful that we have a place to race with champ car and we have managed to to form some good friendships and good bonds there with the teams that run with the management and uh yeah we're not going anywhere so yeah i think the plan is to yep. then get some testing in at uh NC car before Watkins Glen. Uh, make sure everything's running truly as we expect it to in a, in a racetrack scenario. And then we're ready to take on the full year. Um, so Watkins Glen is the next official race. After that is Indian, uh, is uh, VAR 24. Yep. And then Indianapolis in September. Which I am um, so glad they moved it to September because... It was toasty, Holy wasn't it? Holy hell. You don't <laughs> think about it, but Indianapolis in July or wherever we were there was like... The surface of the sun. It was just, it was very hot. It was hot. a challenging race. Yeah, very hot. I, mean, so. I, I did I did a stint uh, with another team at that race in July, and the cool suit delivery system was not working for the first hour of my stint at midday in July, and I came out of the car um, 
not a happy bunny, I will say that. Great to race there, great experience, but it was toasty. Yeah, um, it was... I was just sitting in the stands, and it was very hot, so I can't imagine being in a race car, so... Yeah, that's uh, and and the good thing is that that VIR is only two and a half, three hours from from where we are, and um, you know, we didn't lose a say like a giant chunk of money, you know. So you know, just a few yep. things. So I'm I'm confident. I think that we're on the right path. We're McLaren. We're you know <laughs> dealing with some engine we're, issues. We're trending we're, up. Yeah, we're trending up. We're gonna get our podium. We're gonna yeah yeah optimism optimism yeah yeah and, and we look forward to bringing you the news of our uh, season as, as things progress and uh, of course you know always be great to have your support um for those of you who listen to the podcast you can welcome to watch uh we have in car streams at every real life event on our youtube channels and updates on social media as yeah. well so you know please please give us a follow uh instagram twitter we are hj motorsport 337 give us a follow give us a like um, and also, if you need to email the podcast um, for any feedback, uh, or if you just want to give uh, give your th- ideas and thoughts for the show, uh, we have an email address: it's hjmpodcast at gmail And you know, we'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, and uh, thank you as ever for your support. But um, I think that'll wrap up episode one, season two of the HJ Paddock Pass. Um, any final thoughts, chaps? Uh, just that I'm looking forward to it. Um, I enjoy doing this podcast. It's fun to be a part of, and I'm looking forward to all the racing this season, not just Formula One. And yeah, racing's fun. Love talking about it. Racing's fun. I just see that the NBA has been canceled because of the coronavirus, and we have banned oh transfer or any uh, travel from the Europe from Eva, travel from Europe to America. So I just hope this is all taken oh, care really? of as soon as possible um, for more than just motorsports reasons, but also for motorsports reasons. Um, this is obviously yep. a serious deal. So hopefully hopefully the everyone around the globe comes together, we figure this out, and do it safely because uh, it would be a shame to lose a lot of um, – a lot of people and a lot of fun and a lot of abilities so hopefully all mo- goes well moving forward i agree so on that pandemic note uh, thank you for tuning in give us a like give us a follow uh, and from me tom ellison uh thank you very much our producer in the box michael derby making things everything making sure everything runs smoothly his help is always greatly appreciated with this production so goodbye from me and goodbye from uh, mr Fawcett. goodbye uh, Mr. Coffee. Oh, I'm supposed to say goodnight so I can say sleep tight. Uh, Good night, <laughs> sleep tight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Good night. <laughs>